Welcome to the NetFront Presence. I'm Jeff Gordon, joined by Jim Thomas and Tom Timmerman after a very busy weekend for the Blues. But first of all, we've got to ask our own Jim Thomas, who's back in action, cleared for contact this week. Uh, how's how's he doing? He, he survives the bubble, comes back, and, and gets the coronavirus. And uh, But he's back now. JT, how are you holding up? I'm doing very well for a while. You know, they say a cat sleeps like 16 hours a day for, for, for several weeks. I live like a, a cat-like uh, existence, but I'm doing very well. And uh, did I miss anything while I was gone? Or uh, lose <laughs> Hardly anything. So, yeah, well, let's jump right into it. Let's get both your reactions. The first, uh, first of course, is that, uh, and I was the optimist and I was wrong, I always felt that Alex Petrangelo at the end of the day would uh, stay put. And once the Blues made what seemed to be a competitive offer, I figured that would happen. Boy, it did not happen. And first up, uh, JT, your thoughts on the captain moving on? Well, I, uh, I got to say I wasn't really uh, surprised. I, I think I mentioned on the, on the podcast, and, and, and I think I've had it in print too and in, uh, on the chat, that my experience, and a lot of it uh, – uh, granted was in football is that veterans, especially veterans of some stature, once the season's over and they're an unrestricted free agent, they're going to test the market. So uh, I thought he would, uh, he would test the market. And, and a lot of times once they test the market, they're, they're, they're out the door. And, and, and so uh, uh, here it is with, uh, with uh, Petrangelo, I think all along, and I've said this before too, if, if, if he, if, if he wanted to, uh, be a legacy player and have his uh, statue outside uh, Enterprise Center someday. And who knows, maybe he still will. He'll re-sign with the Blues. There were tons of reasons uh, to re-sign with the Blues. But if he was interested in, you know, maximizing the dollar amount, he, he would go elsewhere because you, you, you knew even in this climate, the Blues probably couldn't do that. And and, and I know there was more to it than just strictly dollars, but uh, – uh, he, he, he's out the door again. There, there are so many reasons why he should have, uh, you know, it made sense for him to stay. Uh, uh, you know, he told me during the all-star break that this, the fit with how, uh, uh, Baruby runs the, how the chief runs the, uh, the offense and the system was just perfect for him. We all know his ties to St. Louis, the fact that his in-laws are, are from St. Louis, but, uh, there he goes out the door and I, you know, I don't, I don't blame him for going for the money. I mean, my goodness, it, it was, you knew it was going to be his last, uh, probably his last big contract as an NHL player. And so now he's a Vegas golden Knight or wherever he's going to end up. Yeah. I, I, all along, I, I had said 50, 50, just because I had no idea where it was going to go. So I couldn't lean either way, but I thought that once he made that statement about, it looks like we're going to free agency. I thought, that clinches it, he's staying. Because that was him kind of calling out, trying to rally uh, support and say, I want to make a deal. I want to make a deal. I don't want to move. Um, and I thought that once that had been said, that a, a deal would happen. But um, obviously it didn't. Obviously they could not um, hash out the uh, the finer points of it. But then the way it ended was surprising because I, I thought it would end with Petrangelo saying, I'm signing with Vegas or Team X. I did not think it would end with, before that happens, the Blues signing someone else, thereby forcing the situation that way. Yeah, JT, and interesting, I thought that uh, Doug Armstrong would make some move to shore up his D because, you know, Kyle Gunnarsson's at the end, uh, Robert Bortuzzo's only been a part-time guy. 
Uh, you know, Vince Dunn is still developing. You know, you're, you're Justin Falk's coming off a tough year. Uh, Marco Scandella is, is sort of a mid-level guy. I thought that, you know, he might go try to get a mid-level defender and then trust Falk, Dunn, and Preco uh, to do more offensively. But instead, he goes out and for Justin Falk money, he gets a pretty good player in Tory Krug, uh, memorable for his uh, performance in the uh, Stanley Cup final against the note, but uh, certainly a skilled guy, not a Petrangelo, but uh, not a terrible replacement. No, and uh, to me, it, it's it's a sign from from uh, Doug Armstrong that he still thinks the uh, the Blues are very much in the window, uh, even even without Jake Allen as your reliable uh, uh, number two goalie, and now even without uh, uh, Petrangelo. I, I I know Doug Armstrong. You know, he said, "Hey, we haven't closed the door on Petro," but I I think that was just more, you know, being diplomatic, trying to leave on a, on a high note. Uh, you know, with uh, Armstrong, you never say never. He's, he's pulled some rabbits out of the hat before, but I mean, there's just no way they could, uh, they could bring Petro back once they, once they uh, uh, did the uh, Krug deal. But my gosh, I, I think maybe uh, Petro and his agents just maybe overplayed their hand. We, we all know what Doug Armstrong's like. He's not the most patient guy in the world. And uh, he wasn't just going to sit and, and wait. I, I think memorably, what was it, Thomas, about two months ago, he said words to the effect, we, you, you just can't wait and let the world mm-hmm. go by and not make moves. And that when, yeah. when he was asked about, uh, well, you could have had money for Petro, but you re-signed Shen, you traded, and then re-up for Falk. And even during the pandemic pause, what did he do? He did uh, McKecker, Candela. Mm-hmm. And that's just, I mean, you had to know that's Doug Arnold. He's not going to just sit back and, and, and wait. Although uh, I guess he only sat back and waited, what, uh, what a few, uh, several hours into free agency before he, he, he decided to go after a crew. The one thing that that did was, I mean, he took away one of Petrangelo's best bargaining chips by taking the blues off the board. Now it was going to be, you know, Vegas and who were they bidding against for Petrangelo? So that was an interesting aspect because Petrangelo could always say before, you know, I've, the Blues are going to offer me eight and a half million dollars. Well, now that's gone. So I mean, I, you know, it's, and then Toronto bows out. So that's a question of, you know, what's he doing to drive the dollar amount uh, from Vegas? So I mean, that was another thing that the Krug signing uh, did. Was it? I mean, it, it was whether it was intended or not. Uh, it, it, it was playing hardball. Yeah, and at a time when the, the clearly the free agent marketplace uh, was depressed, which is no surprise coming off a pandemic, and Taylor Hall was forced to take a one-year deal for the time being with Buffalo and see how that goes. So getting back with Ralph Kruger, other guys are s- signing for certainly lowered expectations, some taking pay cuts to, to move on. And, uh, and that gave Doug Armstrong an opportunity that, you know, while – you know, it was unfortunate that, um, you know, all the, the stress that all the GMs are under, it did create opportunity. Uh, uh, Tory Krug would not have been available for Justin Falk money, uh, Jim Thomas, um, unless all this catastrophe happened economically. Yeah, he, he, uh, he was offered actually more, I guess, at the start of the 1920 season. I think it was six years uh, at $6.6 million. Yeah, it's been an interesting market. A lot, a lot of short-term deals, a lot of uh, deals that are backloaded more than you normally see because I think players want to avoid the, the escrow, how much they, uh, they, they, they pay if, uh, if the expected uh, 
salary cap uh, uh, and revenues don't achieve their levels is, is going to be much higher this year than in, in future years. So uh, even uh, uh, Krug's, uh, Krug's deal is, uh, is uh, backloaded. So yeah, just a strange convergence of uh, events. And I, I saw something though, even, even though the market's been much, much more sluggish than in usual uh, uh, years, uh, something on Twitter that said 90% of the cap room is gone already. And obviously it's, it's, it, It'll be enough for Vegas or whoever else to, I mean, there's enough, enough left over to, uh, to, to sign Petro for what he wants, but Vegas, they, I think they're only about a million over the cap, under the cap right now. I mean, they've, they've got to, they've got to move some, uh, uh, some, uh, uh, players and free up some cap room to, 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 to get up there. And you hear Nate, Nate Schmidt, uh, Mark Andre Fleury, but uh, as Tom mentioned, I mean, he, he, Petro lost all his leverage once uh, once the uh, the Blues were were out of the running. And uh, you know, if you're another team across the league, or you especially maybe a Pacific Division team, are you are you that anxious to help the uh, the Vegas Golden Knights? Yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll take Mark Andre Fleury and his uh, seven and a half million cap hit. We'll we'll, we'll help you out. Yeah, the way the goalie market is, I don't know what where you can unload Fleury at, at this time anymore. I mean, there were so many goalies on the market this year um, that that's, that's going to be tough. Yeah. Vegas is actually because as it is now, if they were to sign Petrangelo for an 8 million plus deal that they would actually be over the off season, larger cap number. So they actually do have to make a trade before they can even sign the guy. So uh, it's a, a complicated situation uh, there, but um uh, and the Blues, you know, look like, you know, we thought they were going to have salary cap issues, and it looked like that may be taking care of itself um, in a different way. Yeah, and we'll jump to that because it's unfortunate, but, uh, you know, one, we all looked and looked and looked at the cap scenario going into the, uh, the offseason. But it appears Alexander Steen is uh, not recovering, and so Doug Armstrong's talking about not only Vladimir Tarasenko, opening the year on injured reserve because of uh, the, another shoulder operation, but he does not expect Alexander Steen to be ready to play. And he seems to think that that, you know, I mean, that's going to go to be the answer for how he can afford Tory Krug. And presumably um, you'll have to do something, I guess, to get uh, Vince Dunn signed, but they've got, um, you know, by getting Jake Allen out, I mean, basically that's, that was the key move he had to make. And, and, and now JT, um, uh, uh, Alexander Steen faces a bit of an uncertain future. Yeah, he sure does. And, uh, you know, speaking of uh, Allen, it shows, uh, uh, I don't know, that kind of a, how, how well Armstrong knows the market. I mean, we all know it was flooded. We didn't realize how flooded it would be because uh, Corey Crawford suddenly uh, ended up on the market. But uh, when, as soon as he got anything with a pulse as an offer, he moved Allen out of there. What was that, about a month ago? And at first we looked at it and said, boy, that, even for a backup, that doesn't seem like a lot. But he, he had an offer and he dumped the salary. And you're right, Jeff, they, they probably can't move on crew without, the, without that money. And now Steen, I, I think we all agreed he just the, – the, and remember, he missed some games in the bubble, but he just didn't look right even when he was on the ice. He just wasn't moving well. Uh, I, I don't know the, the exact injury, but I remember talking to him on those uh, exit uh, Zoom interviews that we had, he, you know, he said it was, uh, it was still bothering him and he, and, and it looked like he was a possibility for surgery. Now, I don't know if he a- actually ended up with surgery, but, uh, 
that looks like he's going to start, as Tom mentioned today, and it's Kyle Clifford uh, story that he's going to end up start the season on LTI uh, IR. And what, what happens when both uh, Tarasenko and Steen are healthy? Then they, they've, they've got to come up with the money because right now, uh, the Blues are over the cap. Uh, you're allowed to be 10% over the cap uh, during the offseason. But, uh, you know, once the season starts, uh, uh, or once one or two of those players return, they, they've got to be they've got to be under the cap. Is this a deal where this is the last we've seen of Steen and he's hurt and he's undergoing surgery and he just he just ends up getting his money? And in a lot of instances, not always, Doug Armstrong is very loyal to his veteran guys and Maybe this is how uh, Steen goes out, where he's he's on uh, LTIR all year, and uh, uh, the Blues have that uh, money and uh, and uh, cap money, and Steen gets his uh, five million. Yeah, I think the Clifford signing really makes sense in the context of you don't think you're going to have Alexander Steen because if you if you get Steen back and he's going to play, boy, it seems like that's two guys doing the same job. Um, so I. Th- there has to be some feeling, some doubt, I think, to the Blues about whether Steen plays at all. And also, I mean, he's in the last year of his contract. He's <coughs> unlikely, I would think, that the Blues would extend him after this year. And so at that point, if he's going to come back, you know, if he's going to miss half the season, would he want to come back for – well, he would probably want to come back because that's Alexander's <laughs> nature. But, you know, if he's only going to play the last 20, 30, you know, pick a number of games of the year – and then retire after that, you know, what's, you know, what's the dynamic going to be on that? Would it just be no, you know, how much rehab is he going to want to do to play, you know, two months of the season? So I think the Blues have to have some belief that they may not and are likely not to have Alexander Steen again. So let's take a look at the roster as it stands today. We'll, we'll move back to the blue line. Uh, plugging Krug in, certainly he's going to uh, quarterback the first power play unit as uh, Petrangelo did. But a different type of guy, small but feisty. You know, the, this team loses its uh, ranginess on the blue line with both Bo Meester and uh, Petrangelo leaving, although, you know, Scandella is a fairly ranger, rangy fellow himself. So offensively from the blue line, they're fine. They're going to – Krug's a different type of guy. He's a, he's a, he's a playmaker. He's, he's more of a, a Shatton uh, – high-level Shattenkirk guy who can go in and create a lot of movement uh, with his own movement in the offensive zone. But, guys, defensively, defensive zone, you're losing a lot of reliable minutes with Alex Petrangelo. Not easy to replace those reliable minutes in the defensive zone, JT. How do you see uh, that challenge shaping up for uh, for the Chief? Well, first off, I, I think we would all agree Krug is uh, – it's not that he's a, a slug, to use a uh, Jeff Gordon uh, phrase, <laughs> uh, as a defenseman, but – I think we'd all agree he's probably not as no one would think he's as good defensively as Petro. I think he might be a little bit better of a, of a skater. He's going to be great on the uh, power play, but if you're Justin Falk looking for a role, if you have Krug probably means Falk's not on the number one power play uh, out there on, on the point. Uh, It looks like it'll be uh if you're looking lefty righty, maybe you start out with Scandella and Pareko, uh, Falk and uh, and and Krug, and and, and Krug did mention that uh, he, he the one player or at least one player that he knows is is Falk. They played uh, uh, on the World Championship uh, team together, and and they actually uh, contacted each other uh, af- after the signing. So maybe it makes sense to start out that way. But I think one of the uh, 
one of the narratives coming out of this, well, this solves the unbalanced, the righty-lefty thing on, on the defensive core. But now you're a little bit short right-handed because right now we, we assume Dunn will be back. Uh, Armstrong uh, on the conference call after the crew signing uh, made, made it sound like uh, 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 there's no doubt Dunn would be back. I mean, you, you don't know for sure until it's done, but it looks like your, your third pairing is, would be Dunn and Bortuzzo, who, as you mentioned, Bartley's really at this stage a, a part-time player. So if you're going lefty-righty, where's the other righty on, on the back end? Uh, Mikola is a left-hander. Perunovic is a left-hander. So, you know, they're still going to be a, a little unbalanced, although obviously their, their top four will be set. You know, one thing I was thinking on the blue line is, you know, if you re-sign Petrangelo, you know what you've got with him. And that, he is a constant, and you're going to get 25 minutes of his offensive and defensive stuff. And now the Blues need a lot of things. Pareko has got to move up his game to be Petrangelo. He's got to be that guy now. Um, Falk has got to play like he did in Carolina. Krug has to fit in right away. And so it becomes a parlay. It used to be you had Petrangelo, there you went. Now you're looking to get the same thing. you got three guys that have got to do certain things. So each one of those, and if one of them doesn't do it, then you're losing ground. If they all do it, then, then you're probably you know, going to keep pace. But everyone's going to have to step up. And if anyone who's you know, ever wagered know, getting, getting three things to happen to win is harder than getting one thing uh, to happen to win. But it's not the most outlandish parlay you could ever have, but it is going to have to be a parlay to get back to where they were. We'll have some more hockey conversation with Jim Thomas and Tom Timmerman right after this. Yeah, Jim, I'm thinking there may, although it seems like Doug's fairly satisfied, certainly with the not going to do any more in the marketplace because he's, he's pretty jammed up that way. I got to think there may still be some movement as this whole thing unfolds. Um, again, we can kind of look up front and see even with, um, even with Vladimir Tarasenko likely missing a, a, the opening chunk of the season with Steen's uncertain future, there's still, uh, still an interesting uh, situation up front. I mean, Doug Armstrong, he still wants Robert Thomas to play a bigger role. He still wants to see Jordan Cairo get on the ice. And, and he knows that Clem Costa, if he doesn't, get to play in the NHL this year, they're going to have to do something with that or else he just simply is not going to stay in North America. So um, then you sign Clifford, who's a legit, solid, fourth-line, hard-hitting guy, the type of guy that Brube is going to love because you know exactly what you're getting out of Kyle. Winner, veteran guy, physical guy, good in that role. It really helps that get you back close to where you were probably during your Stanley Cup run with that fourth line. But you got a lot of forwards. And it just seemed like it will be interesting to see if that plays out and whether that surplus leads them to try to find something a little different on the blue line. Well, uh, up front, you're right. They, they are overloaded at, at forward. I, I, and it looks like with Tarasenko out, it, it, and Armstrong said as much the other day, it'd be Schwartz, uh, Thomas, and Shen, and then Sanford, O'Reilly, Perron. I, I think right now, without Steen, you say, okay, Clifford, uh, Barbashev and Sunquest, or Sunquest and Barbashev, whoever's at, at center. Uh, we all know that varies. Is your fourth line now the third line? Right now you got Blay and Bozak. Who's that? Who's that third guy right now? Is, is it Cairo? Is it it's, it's somebody else? Uh, like you said, where Costin's three years now in the AHL. He's he's also playing over in the uh, 
He's in the KHL, isn't he, Tommy? Did I yep. did I hear that right? Yeah. Yep. So That's he's getting some games in. Yeah. Vanguard Omsk. Yeah. Uh, easy for you to say, Tommy. No, yeah. but uh, he, so he's over there. So yeah, where 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 is the room? And and uh, there's still a lot of guys on the market. I mean, would it be tempting if he finds a, a, a mid-level uh, uh, forward that's out there? I know Armstrong has said he's he's probably done. But what if this goes on and 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 guys aren't signed? Is is he is he tempted mm-hmm. to go out and? And get uh, uh, another forward, and maybe maybe move forward. I, I I don't know who who you'd move. Is there at five million a year with one year left on his contract? Is there a market for 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 Tyler Bozak? And, and if you're guys like Cairo and Costin, you got to be getting a little frustrated. I know you've got to earn your 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 spot on this roster, but you got to be getting a little frustrated about uh, your ability to to play meaningful minutes, and for Costin just even to to make the roster, obviously. Signing Clifford doesn't. We all view Costin as a power forward. Uh, signing uh, Clifford doesn't bow. And and Costin is a we we've seen as a physical player, and, and he he's been willing to drop the gloves in the uh, in the AHL. It would seem if you really wanted Costin in there, that uh, you know maybe maybe you'd plug him into the fourth line next year. So yeah, there's 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 the, the roster still could change. I agree, Jeff. You know, you look at the number of. Uh, forwards that are still out there and that that among other things says it's going to be hard to trade Tyler Bozak at five million dollars a year when you you got to declare or fully still on the market that there are guys out there that you could pay that much that you're going to get more out of but then you wonder yeah I mean if though one of those guys is going to be available at you know between you know one or two million dollars doesn't make sense for the Blues to to make a run at one of those guys to get more goals because that still is what you, you know, Al Clifford's not bringing goals to this team. Uh, and so where is the offense going to come from? Um, and because you got a bunch of guys, you know, how many, you know, can you, can you survive on a lineup of, you know, I guess you could on eight 20 goal scorers or eight 15 goal scorers, but I don't know who's, you know, is there going to be a, who's, who is your big offensive threat? Uh, out there that Tarasenko is, or do you think, you know, Tarasenko's back in February and you think his shoulder's going to be fine and there's your 30 goals right there. But uh, you would think that there could be a good price forward depending on how this market shapes up. Yeah. You know, just say a guy like Duclair scored 23 goals. He's still what only 28. I think Uh, you could probably get him for a reasonable price. Again, a lot, a lot of these guys, Kyle Clifford, including, or they're, they're signing for less AAV than, than they did in their, their previous uh, uh, contract. I don't know if it was just a case of lightning striking or what, but the, the Blues actually scored more uh, without Tarasenko for all but 10 games last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was their highest average per year since, uh, like, I think, 94, 95. But, so they were just fine without him, at least in the regular season. But can, can the Blues really think that that could happen twice? It just doesn't seem like it's likely. All right, so we all know what they have to do as far as off-season game plan on that goes. And, and this kind of go, circles back to the power play and, and Tory Krug. Tory Krug's a guy that's going to move around and he's going to set up guys. Um, but this this team got into a, a situation where to score those goals, a lot of low to high plays, and then hoping that that big hammer on the blue line would result in something something good. Well, and Petrangelo was a goal-scoring defenseman. And, and you know, for the limited time that Pareko uh, got on the power play, that was his threat as well. 
that had been Falk's history until he came here. And so that low to high play, well, you know, Krug's more of a guy that's going to move around in the offensive zone. And he had Pasternak and he had Bergeron and he had Marchand. Um, there's some people wondering right now, how exactly will the power play work? I mean, David Perron was your trigger man. He's willing to shoot it. Ryan O'Reilly is allergic to shooting, apparently. Mm -hmm. uh, second unit, uh, Robert Thomas has to be coaxed into shooting. And so, you know, that to, it's a great point about, about the offense, particularly, you know, losing a, a Petrangelo's hammer because he actually was shooting the puck accurately, getting more shots on goal as a volume shooter. And uh, and that was a lot of a lot of what they were doing was running right through his shot. Well, Jordan Cairo, uh, a young guy or not, he he was never afraid of uh, shooting the puck, but he would have to do something to get at least on the second power play. I guess he did just a little bit last year, but yeah, you know Armstrong mentioned Krug. He mentioned boy, we'd like to get Pareko more time uh, on the power play. He mentioned said the same thing about Falk. Obviously, Dunn has been pretty reliable. Uh, as a second power play and occasionally a first power play guy. And he's another guy who's not afraid to, to, to shoot the puck. Do you see a power play first and second unit where you have two defensemen on both units, say, say uh, Krug and Pareko uh, on the first unit, and then maybe Falk and, and Dunn uh, on the second. And, and keep in mind without uh, Mark Savard around, you're going to, you got somebody else's, uh, uh, going to do the power play. I don't know if that's Jim Montgomery or, or, or somebody else. So the, the power play may, may, may look a little different, not just in personnel, but in scheme next year. Yep. That, it was, I would imagine Montgomery will get the, will get it, but he told me, I mean, that, that it's a very eclectic, you know, everybody gets together and it's a very joint effort on doing these things. Um, yeah. And keep in mind that, you know, it was the first, the first power play unit, especially at the end of the season, that wasn't the best one. It was the second unit. Uh, that uh, had a lot more results out there. And obviously these things are cyclical. Um, but yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see. And when you start putting defensemen out there two at a time, you have to be concerned about who's going to be the defenseman who go on the ice when the power play is over. And now are you talking about, you know, that, uh, you know, Carl Gunnarsson and Marco Scandella or Robert Bertuzzo, who's going out there uh, when it's over? That was always the reason for, for a long time why Pareko and Bomeister weren't on the power play because they wanted them to be out there if they didn't score to be the to get when the top line for the other team came back out. So uh, a lot of a lot of pieces there that will have to be figured out. Yeah, and one last thing about even strength is Krug was uh, given a lot of sheltered minutes and in, in Boston. A lot of sheltered minutes, sixty percent, something like that. Yeah, offensive that's, zone start. that's a pretty big number for a guy, and that's probably how he gets used here. And uh, of course, you know, Dunn would love that. Uh, that sort of sheltering uh, going forward. Falk would be well, it would be better if he had that sort of sheltering. So, um, very interesting, uh, very interesting challenges. But it's not as bad as it would have been if you just lose Petrangelo and don't really do anything and just sort of hope that, to Tom's earlier point, that all these other guys do better to try to make up the. Uh, I think they could have found those 50 points somehow, but uh, you know, I, even with Krug, we don't know how they're going to find the defensive minutes. Um, now, looking at the big picture, last topic for this podcast, Netfront Presence, league-wide, my goodness, a lot happened, some of it crazy. Um, <laughs> I don't even know where to start, so I'll just throw it out to JT to start this. Uh, what, what was your big surprise, and, and is there a big winner in your mind? Well, uh, I guess I was I – was, it's almost like the, the day uh, 
the first day of free agency started with teams. They were all nibbling around the edges. They were all getting the, the guys that were the, the bargain basement guys. Normally the top guys, you know, fly off the board, but, but it was like, everyone was like waiting on uh, Petro to see what he would do. And Petro hasn't done anything yet, but then once Brody signed, some of the defensive dominoes uh, started started to fall, and and I think once uh, Brody left, and and maybe the the Blues were working on it all along, but uh, uh, Armstrong he didn't waste any time getting Krug signed. Now uh, the the goalie dominoes fell pretty quick, but uh, again, it, most of the top forwards are gone. Maybe Taylor Hall will will I mean, are most of the top forwards are still available, and maybe once now that Taylor Hall is accounted for, and who who had Buffalo in the pool for Taylor yeah, Hall? Nobody, had, nobody had Buffalo in the pool. Yeah, so uh, there's still plenty of forwards out. So it's just a it's just a strange year. Players, I think, smartly are a lot of them are are signing for less just because they 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 they, they want a job, and uh, obviously fitting for this year of 2020, a free agency unlike any we've seen. Yeah, you know, the Hall situation with Buffalo, you wonder if you see other guys going, you know, for a short a one-year deal like that uh, to see what the future holds. Um, you know, and, and Buffalo obviously hoping that they can get Hall uh, to stay. Uh, we'll have to see if that happens. I mean, that's a situation that he kind of likes. He likes the coach. He's going to be playing with Eichel. That's a, that's a good deal for anybody. Uh, he can put up some good numbers there, uh, and he'll do it in Buffalo where – uh, expectations will be limited. Looks like does it look like Chicago has decided they don't want to compete next year. The uh, that that moves they made there this year, Jeff. I don't know what does Patrick Kane think about that. Huh? Oh, yeah. Jonathan Taze spoke right out. Well, you oh, know, it's Taze. Corey, my bad. Yeah, Taze. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, and I'm sure Kane feels the same way. I mean, it's my goodness, Corey Crawford. I who who saw him going to New Jersey and them turning mm-hmm. the page on him, telling him to hit the bricks, basically, you know, beat it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that and was Crawford surprising. played so well in the bubble. He was yeah. fantastic in the bubble. Yeah, I know, and and he's a he's been their guy, and he's been through the mill, and there's an emotional connection to you know for Duncan Keith and and Kane and Taze and Crawford. I mean, these guys are you know multiple cup winners. So they turn him out. They trade uh, Assad to to Colorado. Colorado decides to be a little more careful at the at the uh, at the free agency. Didn't offer Hall, but I guess six point five million, and and Hall was able to get more. Um, if I had a surprise, I thought maybe Nashville was was really freeing up a lot of money um, to do more mm-hmm. things than they did. Uh, if you're a Blues fan, you probably didn't want to see Hall in Nashville. You didn't want to see Hall in uh, in Colorado. So from that standpoint, and the fact that apparently Chicago's not going to compete this year, um, mm-hmm. I guess those are good outcomes for the for the Blues fans. But man, it is. Uh, it was cold that they opened that door to free agency and that breeze that came in there was cold, JT. <laughs> and Columbus opened up all that space. You thought Columbus was going to be some, some big player and that hasn't really happened. Yeah. We, we may see some of this money be just being freed up because teams know they could be losing money. There's no guarantee there'll be fans, at least full house fans in the, in the stands right now. I would say that's probably doubtful at the start of the season. And so maybe they're, you know, they're losing a lot of money. Maybe they wanted to, to, to stop the bleeding. Uh, how, about, uh, how about Edmonton, though? As It was literally a, a buffet line of goalies available. The carousel spins round and round. And here you are in Edmonton. They, they had high hopes. And I was up in the bubble, talked to some, 
some some people in Edmonton, fans and media uh, types alike, and they thought, boy, this could really be the uh, the year that uh, Edmonton makes a playoff run. Of course, we saw what happened there. But then you have, you have a chance at all these goalies, and you end up with Mike's having to re-sign Mike Smith. Yeah, Tom, uh, you know, Markstrom going to the Flames, interesting deal. He, he got six years, and uh, he's yeah. a pretty – he had a good year for uh, when he was healthy for Vancouver. So, yeah, Calgary strikes uh, the rival right down the road from Edmonton while Edmonton settles for Smith. And then you give uh, – I think you give a shout-out to Vancouver, Tom, for uh, – they've got uh, Thatcher Demko, who's their guy uh, for the future, mm-hmm. but Braden Holtby, not a bad, uh, not a bad uh, partner. No, not bad at all. You know, uh, Dallas getting Kadobin back. You look around the Central Division. Um, you know, Colorado, Dallas. Who took? You know, Chicago taking a step down. Nashville. Um, I don't know. How's the Central look to you, Jeff? You know, on paper, as Jeff I think kind of alluded to, it looks like overall maybe not as uh, strong. A, a little bit puzzling. I don't know. May, may, I obviously haven't seen Cam Talbot play as much as. Uh, uh, the, the the brain trust in, in Minnesota, but is he really any kind of upgrade over Devin Dubnik? I I, I don't mm. think so. So I, I don't I don't know if they've necessarily taken a uh, uh, taken a step forward. I'm trying to think of Winnipeg. What did Winnipeg do? Did they do much of anything? I I, I well they I got our old friend. Yeah, yeah, as part of the Petrangelo um, payroll purge, so that fills the number two spot. But boy, uh, JT, they still got <laughs> still got to work on that uh, the, the defensive zone. Yeah, so, yeah, I guess we got to say right now, and, and who knows, sometimes, you know, uh, players that aren't as well-known step up, giving the chance. I mean, I think we all s- thought Columbus would take a, uh, would take a, a, a step back with their off-season losses a year ago, but they turned out to be, ju- you know, just as good as, as, as before. But, yeah, it certainly looks like the Central may be, in theory, a little bit easier sledding. Yeah, Winnipeg, though, is hoping, you know, Stastny and, and Line a can team up. They've done it before, and they can get more out of uh, Line a that, uh, that they didn't get uh, last year. Because there was a guy that people were wondering if they were going to try to trade him. And uh, now there's hope for a second life uh, for uh, Patrick, who, who just needs more games against the Blues. <laughs> I always oh, wanted that seems like, like Detroit that had all this cap money. What if they just said to Taylor Hall, we're going to give you $12 million a year. Petro, we're going to give you $12 million a year to try to get something going. But I guess Taylor Hall and Petro know better than that, right? Your poor well, Detroit Red Wings. Yeah, it was interesting. Eisman uh, said they're going to be a little more patient. But, you know, and so they kind of, you know, to your point earlier, they kind of worked around the edges there too. I mean, uh, you know, Nemestikov will be a fine player fitting into their, their pile. And, you know, they've, you know, certainly they've upgraded in goal. So there'll be less yeah. terrible there. <laughs> less terrible. Robbie yeah. Fabry, the face of the franchise. Yeah, no, they're going to be better, but they're not. In, they weren't apparently in a rush. Buffalo, for whatever reason, after cutting, <laughs> firing after people that worked there, going through all this bloodshed, just turned around, and decided they were going to be players again. The Pagulas are a little. Um, they're different. So it's a franchise is erratic at best. Yeah, yeah. Even though they're paying Jeff Skinner nine million a year, and he's who's he going to play with? They got Eric Stahl, but. We'll be mm-hmm. on the second power play unit. So, yeah, and you couldn't have seen any of this coming, guys. Very unpredictable weekend, but uh, interesting. And uh, certainly we'll watch the offseason unfold, see what happens uh, with our heroes. So, for uh, Jim Thomas, who's back uh, healthy among us, thankfully, uh, clear to the COVID. For Tom Timmerman, who's been working uh, around the clock on these uh, stories. 
Uh, myself, Jeff Gordon. This has been Netfront Presence. Until next time, see ya.